I believe that it's important. I believe that God's given me a message. Amen. And so uh, I've been praying about it, and it was about a month ago the Lord put on my heart what I was going to be ministering. Maybe not that long ago. I don't remember. A couple, two weeks, three weeks. And the Lord, the phrase that kept coming to me was time to possess. Time to possess. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and it talks about, uh, you know, how they could not occupy. It's what it says in the New Living Translation, but other translations said they could not possess the promised land that God had given them. And there was many things that kept them out, except for Caleb and Joshua were going to take in the next generation. Listen, you don't want to miss what God has set aside for you. And I believe he set some wonderful things aside for you. Amen. And so we're going to look at why, what keeps us from walking in his plans, what keeps us from walking in his ways, what keeps us from walking in all the promises that are yes and amen. But I want to start here. It's not in my notes, guys, so you're going to have to just kind of keep up. It dropped in my heart while we're singing that song. I've been stuck in the book of Exodus. I really like Exodus. And, and you know, the Old Testament is really wonderful. It's, it's such a great type and shadow of, it's, it's the greatest type and shadow of Jesus in his body. Really, it is. You have the Israelites who were in bondage under Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they were held in slavery, and then God sent someone to deliver them, someone to bring them out of that bondage. And so he sent Moses, and Moses went in there, and we know the whole story and everything that happened. And Pastor Rhonda, what she talked about, we used to sing that song in Dad's church, the horse and rider thrown in the sea, and when they would say that phrase, we'd all say, yee-haw. I don't know why we said that. It must have been a Colorado. Did anyone else say that anywhere else? No, just us. And when Pastor Mark and I first met when I was 19, actually 18, somewhere in there, maybe even younger, he took a liking to me because I was a cowboy. And he always talks about how he was a rhinestone cowboy. And I guess he thought I was a real cowboy because I rode bulls and broke horses and did all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but he took a liking to me because of that. I guess he wanted to, mate, you want to ride a bull? We'll go out sometime, Pastor Mark. It'll be a lot of fun. And so Exodus is a great type and shadow. And when I look at Exodus and I look at Moses and I look at that, I think about Jesus and his body and I see a lot of parallels about how Jesus has brought his church out of captivity, how he's brought us out of slavery. Remember, Apostle Paul talks about this. We're no longer slave to sins, right? But now we're slaves to righteousness, amen. And he's brought us out. But I think sometimes Jesus has similar frustrations with his body that Moses had with the Israelites, they're always wanting to leave the faith and go back to Egypt. And, and Jesus, his body today, is always wanting to depart the faith and go back to something else. Friends, can I just tell you, there's nothing to go back to. Amen. There's not, and, and, and what they often did lots of times is they continually forgot about God. And we always make fun of them. How dare they forget about God? How could they forget about God? And think about the miracles, the signs and the wonders, how he put the blood on the doorpost and and protected them and kept them all the ways and led them out and there was famines, but yet God preserved them. And how he delivered them out of Egypt and how he he killed that army that was chasing them down and brought them out. And, And they saw all these signs and wonders and miracles, but yet they continually forgot about what God had done for them. Church, don't forget what he's done for you. He's brought you out of slavery. He's brought you out of sin. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And since you're in him, he has great plans for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a destiny for you. And that purpose will not be fulfilled if you go back. Over here in Exodus chapter 13, uh, it's in, in verse 13. 
We're going to get to the notes here in a minute, but this is just really important. It says a firstborn male donkey may be redeemed from the Lord by presenting a lamb in its place. What is that? That is a clean for the unclean. Donkeys represent an unclean animal and the lamb represented a clean animal. And God is saying, listen, friends, when it comes to your life, there's only two options that we see in scripture. It's either redemption or destruction. When it look, look what it says here about the donkey to be redeemed by the Lord, presenting a lamb in its place. But if you decide to make an exchange, the donkey must be killed by the breaking of its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn son. The only option is redemption or destruction. And all of our lives before Jesus were headed for destruction. Right. But a perfect lamb came in our place. And his name was Jesus Christ. And I so love all these parallels that are here. And when you think about it, when Jesus was always arguing with the religious people, it's because they made the mistake of thinking they could be saved by their works and they forgot about the blood. So when they're arguing with Jesus, what they're saying is we no longer need you. We have our works. Never forget about the blood. Never forget about Jesus. And never forget what he's done for you and what he's still doing for you today as the blood is continually cleansing, cleansing you and he's continually making intercession for you so you can stand in this place of victory and righteousness. So you can stand in this place of relationship with God to fulfill the purpose he's given you in this world. Amen. Let us not forget. And when we don't forget, look at what God said to him as you continue to read. And the future, in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you'll tell them, with mighty power, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from our slavery. Pharaoh refused to let us go, so the Lord killed the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both of the animals. That is why, look at this, that is why we now offer the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always redeemed. Again, I say the ceremony will, make a like brand, will be like a, a mark branded on your hands and on your forehead. It is a visible reminder that the Lord, of the Lord who brought you out of Egypt with great power. I just had that on my heart to share with you today. Don't forget about how God has brought you out with great power. And as we celebrate, one thing we're celebrating is the works of the Lord in our own lives and what he's done. I like to tell our boys, listen, dad used to not be a very good person, but God brought me out with great power. I am who I am. Because of the great I am. You are who you are because of the great I am. Let us not forget about him. As the church moves forward, this was so on my heart. As we press on towards another 30 years, let us not forget the one who brought us here. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I want to talk about keys to possess. Number one is we have to be people of faith. This isn't in my notes either, guys, but if you would go over to Galatians chapter 3 real quick, I want to read this out of the New Living Translation. We're going to start in Galatians 3, verse 1, and I think we're going to read through 6. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on a cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? 
Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not for vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. God has started something great in your lives, and the way that it's going to come to completion is by faith in him. Complete faith in God. When you read the scriptures, it really talks about two pillars in the life of the believer, and it's faith and it's repentance. Lots of times we're so concerned about obedience, and I've heard it said this way, and I don't disagree. Obedience is good, but really obedience is just a fruit of faith and repentance. And when you truly repent, and when you truly have faith in God, the outflow of that and the fruit it produces is going to be obedience towards the word of God. Amen. So when you look at somebody and they don't have any fruit of obedience in their life, one of two things are happening. One, they haven't truly repented and turned to God. Or number two, they just don't trust him enough to get out in faith. As I'm talking to you tonight, I knew as I was praying, there's some things on my heart that God has called some of you into a season of stepping out into the waking void with nothing but you and the promise of God. He's spoken to your hearts about having children and that season is coming and maybe your house has been built on a two-income household and you can't see how it's going to happen, but God has placed it on your heart. It is time to trust him and step out into the waking void with God. For some of you, he's put it on your heart to start a business, to start a ministry, to start in ministry, to join in ministry, working with the band or working with the elder, whatever it may be. God has placed some stuff in your heart and it's time for you to step out into the purpose of that. And the way you step out into that is by faith with God. Understanding that he is the one that is going to bring all of this to pass. Over oh, Romans 117, it says, For the gospel, the righteous, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 12, or 1 through 2, <laughs> out of the Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance. The title deed confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. Friends, you've got a guarantee, a divine guarantee that it shall come to pass because God is faithful. Amen. And when he asks you to do something, listen, you step out in faith and God will bring it to pass. A divine guaranteed. Amen. And the evidence of things seen, the conviction of the reality of faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. Listen to me. I know there's a lot of definitions of faith. This is the one the Lord put on my heart. It's not you can't find it in any concordance. You can't find it in a dictionary. This is from the Holy Spirit to me. Amen. Faith is stepping out when you don't have all the answers, but you have a word. Faith is stepping out when you don't have all the answers, but you have a word. (laughs) 
I remember, and this has happened to, and I know lots of times when, when preachers are preaching about faith, we all think that's so wonderful. You're called to ministry. You had to step out in faith. You had to obey God. But friends, it's so applicable to all of our lives in every area of our lives. I know my wife and I, if we, as we've done life together, God has asked us many times to do things that we didn't have the answers for, but yet God stepped out and as we did, he did miraculous things. I remember the first time she told me that she was a, the Lord put it on her heart to quit her job and to start working volunteering here at the church. And at that time, she was working for the only bankruptcy lawyer in Huntsville. And I was working here at the church, believing God just to pay rent. Hallelujah. And I was like, baby, you can't quit. You don't understand. You are the breadwinner. Without you, there is no bread. <laughs> You can't quit. Amen. And now listen, there's something and we're going to talk about this here in just a minute, but you can't enter into rest until you obey. God talked about this with the children of Israel over in here uh, in Hebrews chapter three, verse 19. He said, so that we see because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter into his rest. Because of their unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 2 through 3 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well unto them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, nor being mixed with faith to those who heard it. So if the word is going to profit you, you must mix faith with it. Glory to God. If it's going to, so many people, God will, and not just the, the written word, but also the spoken. When God speaks something to your heart, you must, what is faith? It's trusting in him. Hallelujah. It's saying, you know what? I may not see it with my natural senses. I may not comprehend it with my natural mind, but God, I believe you. You are greater than my circumstance. You are greater than the unknown. And not only that, you're faithful to bring it past. For God who's called you unto this is faithful to do it. So I remember when God asked Rachel to quit her job, and I made her stay at that job for two more years. Y'all don't judge me. Don't look at me like that. Because I was like, you can't quit. And listen, she got miserable. Because there's no rest unless you're in obedience. And then her misery made me miserable. And now we're just miserable together. What was the answer? Get in faith and let the fruit of faith be obedience. And guess what? God's done it. And so she worked at the church for several years. And then God said, you know, uh, we had our boys and, and that was going great. And we were vibing, learning how to do life together. And then God said, pull them out of school and homeschool them. And I did the same thing I did when she told me to quit her job. I said, no, we're not doing that. We've built this family on a two-income household. That's the way we're built. You can't pull them out of school. Again, no rest. I don't like talking about my boys when they're in the room, but we began to see some things in them as well because I had them stay in school longer than God told us to pull them out. And so we started to see some things in their lives, and that was not rest. And you start asking, well, where's this coming from? Well, it's coming from my lack of faith. Therefore, I'm not producing the fruit of obedience. As we trust in God and we step out into this waking void, 
He will do it. And he does it every single time, friends. We got to believe God and we got to trust in God. And we can't waver in what he said. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let it ask God who gives it liberally without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. Someone say, I will not doubt. Let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave in a sea, driven, tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man and he's unstable in all of his ways. Friends, what does that mean? You can't just keep changing your minds about what God said. You remember you go back into the book of Numbers and you see the children of Israel. You know, one day they woke up and they said, let's go take the promised land. And then they see the giants in there and they're like, we can't take the promised land. And then God's like, okay, you're not going in the promised land. And then they wake up the next day and they say, yes, we're going to take the promised land. Listen, they were double-minded and they kept saying, we can do it, we can't do it. We can do it, we can't do it. We can do it, we can't do it. And because they were double-minded in everything that they did, let that man not suppose he will receive anything from the kingdom. Their double-mindedness kept them out of the promise. Don't let your double-mindedness keep you out of the promise. Listen to me now. This is important. And I knew, like, when I was studying for this and as God put on my heart, I said, Lord, give me something. It's an anniversary service. I want something excited. Let's run around the room. Let's rejoice. You know, and then when Sanjay was preaching, I was like, just let him have my time. He's doing great. He's crushing it. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing. Just let him stay up there. But this stuff is practical. And this is how we live in the kingdom. This is how we receive and walk out our purpose here on earth when it comes to our family, when it comes to our business, when it comes to the things that God's asked us to do. Glory to God. And so we can't be unstable. And and a lot of times there will be a lot of stuff that will cause instability in our lives. Maybe God's asked you to start a family and, and, and it's just not going well. Listen to me, friends. Do not give up on what God has spoken to you. Pastor Rhonda shared testimony after testimony after testimony. How God performed miracles for people who held fast to what God had said. And they believed God and against all natural odds, something happened because God is faithful. Because they dared to believe in this living God. God will make a way, friends, every time if we will hold fast and fight the good fight of faith. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. We know the scripture says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go thyself or go throw yourself in the sea and does not what? Doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen. It will be done for them. Amen. And so we've got to believe what God has spoken to us. And as we believe what God has spoken to us, it will be done unto us. Let's jump back over to Exodus chapter 13. Verse 24 of Matthew or Mark 11, as we finish this, therefore I tell you, whatsoever you ask for in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. Glory to God. Over here in Exodus chapter 13, this is after God brought them out, and uh, we're going to read verses 17 through 18 on New Living Translation. It says, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them on the road that runs through Philistine territory. Now watch this. Even though that was the shortest way for them to go through to, from Egypt to the promised land. All of us want to go the shortest way. But let me ask you this, friends. Are you ready to go the shortest way? 
Watch this now. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them along the route through the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the Israelites left Egypt as a marching army. There's a, a short way to go from Egypt to the promised land, but God knew if they go that way and run into difficulty, they're going to leave what I've got in store for them and run back to Egypt. Everybody wants the shortcut. The problem is, is lots of times we're not ready for the shortest way. As we're believing God, and God was ministering to me, he was showing me some stuff, and I've talked about this before. Did you know that most uh, statistics show us that most people who win the lottery are in worse shape after they won the lottery than they were before they won the lottery? Why? They were not ready to come into that wealth. Come on now, if there's somebody in here and you're believing God to get married and you're like, where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Let me ask you, are you ready to be married? Because not, God's not going to bless you with a promise if you're not ready for it and then you're going to ruin it. So we have to prepare ourselves to step into these promises, to step into these things that he's prepared. I, I don't, I, it drives me nuts when an athlete or an actor or somebody gets born again, and then all of a sudden they throw them up on the biggest stage in front of the world and say, preach Jesus to them. They're not ready for that position, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to fall into sin because as soon as the media starts attacking them, their friends start attacking them, fellow athletes start attacking them, they're going to revert because they haven't matured to a place place where they can stand and fight for what God has told them and they're going to go back and they're going to make the whole body look like a big sham. They're not ready for it yet. We got to make sure that we're ready for these things. We have that saying, you know, preparation time is never wasted time. God is preparing us for certain things. Look at this over here in Psalms 105 verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Imagine having a dream and then having to go through everything he went through. And I'm sure when he was in prison or when he was in slavery, when his brothers were trying to kill him, I'm sure Joseph had to be thinking, there's got to be a shorter way. Earlier in this passage, it talks about how they beat the bottom of his feet with rods and how they put his neck in shackles. But yet it was all God testing his character. We don't like that. But God's not going to bring us into something that we're not ready for. And this is what I believe to be true for you individually and for this church. We're ready for it. We're ready, as, as Pastor Rana said this morning, we wrapped it up, we put a memorial on it, but now we're ready for what's next. Amen. It's been 30 years of testing our character and growing us up spiritually, maturing us in the things of God. So we can run the race that he's laid before us. So we can walk in the plans and the purposes that God has for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says this, Fight the good fight of faith, or fight the good fight. 
for the true faith. Hold tightly to eternal life, which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. This just jumped up in my heart, and I don't really... Over in Genesis, I believe it's chapter 39. Just go here real quick. You guys doing okay? Genesis chapter 39. Hmm. Verse 27. The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So Joseph naturally became quite a favorite with him. Potiphar soon put Joseph in charge of his entire household and entrusted him with all of his business dealings. From the day Joseph was put in charge, the Lord began to bless Potiphar for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs began to run smoothly and his crops and his livestock, they flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibilities over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry in a worry in the world except to decide what he wanted to eat. Other translations says, he, this one says he became Potiphar's favorite. But other translations more accurately say that it was seen that the favor of God was on him. And so I step out in faith with fear and trembling. <laughs> and this came on my heart for you. Yes, Hallelujah. As we were just talking about that joke. <laughs> so this is what I see. If you would just stand up for me real quick. Yes, Kathy, if you would stand next to him and join hands. Hallelujah. <clears throat> We've been talking about around here, extreme favor, profuse favor. And I see that falling on your life to a measure it's been, but now it increases even more. And the reason why God has put in favor on you like a blanket is so you can take it and impart it to those. Mm -hmm. And I see that you have favor everywhere you go with natural businessmen and businesswomen. Favor is imputed and granted unto you. I also see favor with government officials, not just overseas, but locally too, I see. And so God's favor is surrounding the two of you so that these things can be done in ministry. And you'll take that favor that God is resting on you and you'll bring it back and you'll impart it to the students of that place. And when they leave there, they will go in favor too. For God's mighty hand and his favor is resting on the two of you. To bring things to pass that were ordained long ago. As it said about Joseph in Psalms later on from the foundations of the world. So, Father, I impart that. <laughs> favor in Jesus' name. So much favor in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. You always know what to do and what to say. Who can be trusted and who can't. Thank you for it, Father. Amen. 
Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Someone say favor. Hallelujah. Someone say favor. Amen. Glory to God. Well, here's the last thing I want to say as we wrap up. Glory to God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. A lot of reading out of Exodus. I've been stuck in this chapter for three months now, and I guess the Lord just has more for me to get out of it. Glory to God. I'm sorry, Exodus 33. I was going to Exodus 13. If we're going to walk in everything that God has for us, we have to be people of faith. We cannot waver in our commitment to the Lord, and we cannot waver in the promises that are yes and amen. We can't waver in what he said in his word, and we can't waver in what he's spoken to our heart. Amen. Person of faith, a person that doesn't waver. And then finally, if we're going to walk in what God has for us, we must be people who desire to be with him. I want to look at this in Exodus 33, starting in verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord. So the Lord is showing Moses the promised land and he's laying some stuff out for him. And Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You call me by name and tell me I have found favor with you. Please, if this is really so, show me your intention so I will understand it more fully and do exactly what you want me to do. Besides, don't forget that this nation is your very own people. Verse 14, and the Lord replied, I will personally go with you. Now watch this. Moses, I will go for you or I will give you rest and everything will be fine with you. Now verse 15, then Moses said, if you don't go with us personally, don't let us move a step from this place. Now we've read that many, many times. And I had the Lord kind of show me it this way and I want to share it with you. What Moses is saying is he's saying, God, your presence is more desirable than the destination. I don't want to go into this place that you have promised if you're not going to be there. I don't want this job if you're not going to be there. I, want to, I don't want to do this if you're not going to be there. Let the presence of God be more valuable than the destination. And friends, if the presence of God is more valuable than the destination, you will always find yourself in the right destination. If you will value being with him above everything else, he will always make sure you're in the right place at the right time to walk in his favor, to walk in his grace, to walk in his plans, to walk in his purposes. There's so Listen, the church has made a mistake of moving away from the presence of God, but not here. Our pastors have contended for it. We have a church have contended for it. And now God is saying you must personally contend for the presence of God. Do not be moved by it. Don't get obsessed with the destination, but be obsessed with him. And as you're obsessed with God, he will bring all this stuff to pass. A few scriptures for you. Psalms 27, 4 out of the Amplified. One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty, the delightful loveliness and majestic grandeur of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Psalms 24, verse 6 out of NIV. Such is a generation of those who seek him, 
who seek your face, God of Jacob. Psalms 105, verse 4, out of the Amplified. Seek and deeply long for the Lord. And his strength, his power, his might. Seek and deeply long for his face and his presence continually. That's what we seek. To be with him as a church and as individuals to be in the presence of the Most High God. And as we seek to be in His presence, listen, friends, everything He's put in your heart, just like Joseph, the dreams that He's put on the inside of you. And for some of us, I don't know who this is for, but for some of us, it seems like that dream has got pushed so far away. Where has it gone, Lord? It's still there. As you just run after him, the things he's put in your heart will surely come to pass. Amen.